Powerful at Work Radio, Episode 11. Welcome to Powerful at Work Radio, the podcast for professionals who see their work as a calling. I'm your host, Rosa Ponce de Leon, and together we'll explore how people can position themselves to make a real difference with their work. We will cover topics ranging from leadership to emotional wellness to what true power looks like and everything in between. If you're ready to do work differently, tune in and join the movement. Now let's get after it. Jackie Martin is the CEO of A Matter of Motivation and the founder of Be More Learning Student Program. She brings together years of experience equipping teams, corporate leaders, and business owners all over the world with the communication, leadership, change resiliency, and business skills needed in the workplace. Jackie was tired of hearing parents and business leaders complain about kids these days. So in addition to her work in the corporate arena, she developed a workforce readiness workshop for students and young professionals to prepare them for life in the real world. In these fast-paced workshops and hands-on bootcamp settings, her team arms both students and parents with the social, communication, and leadership skills to take the next best steps in business and in life. Jackie considers herself a leadership junkie, a serial entrepreneur, and a lifelong learner. She's also a John Maxwell leadership trainer and a certified change cycle expert and a neuro-linguistic programming practitioner. Jackie considers it her mission in life to help students and professionals find their sweet spot in work and in life so they can fall in love with what they do and who they are. Jackie Martin, I'm so happy to have you on the show. It's so great to be here, Rosa. Thanks so much for inviting me. Oh, it's our pleasure. Tell us a little bit about what you do. So I have been in the education, adult education, training and development, corporate training field for eons and uh, really have had an opportunity to share with companies, small and large, all over the world, really, um, on communication, on uh, leadership, also on managing change, which right now is the, the number one need that I get requests for is to really help out with organizations and truly even just with individuals and families about how to deal with the massive amount of change we're having to deal with. So that's been my background in training and development. I do own my own company called A Matter of Motivation, since I figure everything really, you know, that we want to improve is a matter of motivation. So I've I've really framed uh, my work in the last uh, several years around trying to help organizations and individuals and leaders within those organizations be better, do better, and really um, fall in love with what they do. Even during these crazy times, there's a way that we can find the best in things. So that's my big focus, uh, or has been as I kind of came into this, this year. Wow. That's a mouthful right there. We have plenty to talk about, but (laughs) I want to talk about this connection between motivation and managing change, because uh, Mm. obviously what a better time than, than helping people with change now in today's Mm. day and age. Uh, But, you know, there's definitely a deep connection I would imagine between having motivation and just change people. We, we naturally tend to be comfortable and tend to resist change. Mm. So how do you work through some of that? That's a great question. I I teach a method or a model called the change cycle. 
And um, it really goes through six stages and explains why we think, feel, and behave the way we do during times of change. And sometimes it's a little change. It could be, you know, you're, uh, you've moved to a new home. It could even be a good change. You got a promotion, things like that. Um, those have those same stages we go through. And, um, but now, of course, the acceleration of change, the massive amounts of entire organizations having to cope with the change has really played a toll. And because of what you just said, that people do naturally, especially in the early stages of change, drag their feet, resist, it comes in all forms, even get um, depressed when there's a lot of change being asked mm -hmm. of them. And so the more you understand that what you're thinking and feeling is normal for those early stages of change, the easier it is for you to, because each stage has something you need in it that once you get that thing, you're able to move to the next stage. And so the more we understand about why we're feeling the way we are and, and that we can do something about that, the better. And, and so my mission over the last six months has been to try to get that information in front of as many people as possible to know when they aren't feeling motivated. One of those stages, stage three is called discomfort. And man, we've been in that. That's where we easy things become harder. Sometimes we don't want to even get out of bed in the morning because it's just hard and we're kind of slogging through some of the changes. It used to be when we came back, you know, when everybody left to work from home, that was one round. And then now people are experiencing it as they're trying to go back into the workplace, they're feeling some of those same feelings. So the more we understand there's a connection there and then we get what we need to move on, um, the easier it is to cope with all this change. Wow, that, that's definitely deep because you're talking about once you have that sense of awareness of what am I missing? What void is this filling for me? And why am I feeling this way? And you, you're empowering people to go through the stages quicker and yeah. get their normal back, whatever that is. Well, exactly. And, and add to it, if you were a leader, and when I mean leader, we're all leaders of ourselves. But if you're a leader in an office or even in your family, if you get why people are doing what they're doing and that that's normal in each one of those stages, and the more you understand about what it takes to give them what they need, the faster a whole family, a whole group can move through a change. And some of it is just trying to teach people the vocabulary of it. And some of it is helping people kind of release judgment on each other or even on themselves when they're in certain stages. So they recognize, oh, that's just stage two. I'm okay. Uh, or that's just stage three. He'll be fine. We just need to give him more. Stage three needs motivation. We need to give him more motivation. And if a leader really understood that and could embrace that during times like these, wow, what a difference they could make moving their whole department through change. Oh, totally. I mean, if you understand what your people need, you don't have to work too hard at figuring it out. You just start <laughs> investing in the right areas. It's exactly. amazing. Yeah. Wow. And so when it comes to motivation, aside from dealing with change, how, I mean, you're talking about people falling in love with their job again. I mean, it, what is it your experience that people start in love and they fall out of love or like what happens? What, why do people stop loving what they do? Oh, that's, uh, that's 
that is such a wonderful multi-layered uh, <laughs> question. Uh, but but to, to keep it super simple, I really believe sometimes we move beyond, maybe we're doing a particular thing and we love it at first and part of it's the challenge or part of it's the, the newness. And sometimes we've, we are given an opportunity in an organization to grow and sometimes it gets stagnated or a particular career path doesn't seem to have a next step and we can lose or that role can lose its luster for us. I think leaders in companies, but I think each of us individually has to keep reconnecting to why, why are we doing what we're doing? What is it about it that I love right now? There are things I can tell you I loved doing 20 years ago. I don't want to do now. <laughs> and so we move through that. And I think that's, that's normal too. And just being able to recognize that if you do love what you do and truthfully, yes, there are things about every job we are not going to like. Okay. Let's just right. say that's true. But by and large, when people do love what they do, or at least love who they're doing it with, they're more loyal, they, they stay longer, they're overall more happy, they make fewer mistakes, they tend to brag about the organization outside of the organization to people. There's so many benefits to helping not settle for just any old job, or if you're a leader, not to put just anybody in a role, to make sure you're matching them up with their strength so they can actually excel. Because most of the time, people know when they're not doing well at a job. They, they know if they're ill-suited and maybe they took the job just because they needed it and it was a mismatch. Well, that only lasts so long. And if you really don't love what you do or you're not good at it and you know it, it starts to take a toll on you emotionally, physically. So loving what you do, it does, it's, it's a feel-good thing. I get it, but it is way more than that. I mean, scientifically, when we love what we do, we excel much more rapidly than when we don't. Wow. That's, that's also deep. And I, I want to shift a little bit on that because you're talking about people knowing that they're not doing well. And I always like to talk about the fact that people get so caught up on what other people are doing and they're trying so hard that they lose themselves. Yes. Do you find that that's an issue where people lack the self-awareness and they're, they don't love it because they just, they were trying to do all the right things by other people's standards and they mm. forgot about themselves. Okay, so I love that. Um, I actually did a TED talk, a TEDx talk called about comparisonitis. And I think we all suffer from it. I mean, we can see it. You just have to open up social media and know that looking at what other people, either other well-intentioned, loving people in our family who might be doing something different or think we should be doing something differently than we might know, or just looking around and going, wow, look at what they have. Sometimes we do things for those reasons. And while at first it may, oh, well, dad is a lawyer, so I should be a lawyer. We pursue things, but that only lasts so long. In our heart of heart, when we really stop and just like you said, that self-awareness of going, I am not happy doing what I'm doing. I, I, my very first job out of college, it was a marketing company. I loved a big piece of what I was doing and the rest of it I hated. And as it turns out, I got let go. <laughs> I, I got let go of that job because wow. it was detail oriented and it was editing newsletters and things, not my gifting. I knew it. I just couldn't do anything about it at the time, but I did discover they had me out marketing face to face with people and speaking and, and talking to large groups. Loved that. And so I discovered that about myself and I discovered what I didn't want to do. 
And so part of that self-awareness is going, okay, I, I, I need to refine and discover again, we're not going to love everything about what we do. I, I, I get that, but we should love most of it or at least parts of it or what it does for us personally, instead of looking outside of us for approval or looking at somebody else's model of success and trying to live up to that. That comparisonitis ends up in a dead end. I mean, it, it literally and emotionally and sometimes even financially, we're, if we're chasing somebody else's dream, it just won't last. Because the focus there is on so many externals and then you start to build resentment because people aren't seeing your value or they, they aren't seeing your potential. And it's like, well, but you haven't been revealing it either because you haven't taken the time to see that. I mean, in your story, you're talking about a job you hated, but you still discovered something wonderful about something you loved. Yes. Well, and that, and you know what, standing up to say, I, I'm not happy where I am, that takes an enormous amount of courage. And I will tell you in times like we're in right now, sometimes it can actually be scary to rock any boat when people now are really happy to have a job because we know of a lot of people whose organizations have had to let people go. And so at the same time, we may say, well, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to be happy right where I am for the next six months or even a year because I want things to reset. Okay. But that's a decision we make internally. And, and you're right. If we don't do it for our own reasons, resentment builds up that everybody ends up seeing on our face or in our countenance and, or how we deal with customers or how we problem solve. If we're feeling that we're doing this for the wrong reasons, or we build that resentment, it ends up showing. And that's not what we want. Totally. And now you're labeled a, a certain type of employee. And it's really just that you're a misfit for this particular role. Exactly. Well, and, and, and in some ways, I think some of this needs, the onus needs to be on some of the leaders who need to continue to look for people who have the skills in specific areas that they need. And so that, you know, I'm always talking to leaders about, you know, you need to keep doing assessments like StrengthsFinder, Gallup StrengthsFinder, things like that with your teams to see what how, how close the match is because Gallup says nearly 70% of the American workforce is working in something they would not call their strength. That's crazy to me. Uh, well, doesn't it explain a few things? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, really, if you think about it, it's, 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 you can tell when somebody either doesn't like what they're doing or is mismatched. And yes, they probably took the job or the boss hired them because they needed them. I get that. That's okay for a moment. But overall, we need to find the right people for the right roles. And that, that sets people up to be happier at work. Totally. At this point, my conversation with Jackie turned to her work with teenagers and parents and the transition that takes place in that phase of life. And for that, I decided to make a part two. So you get to hear more of Jackie Martin in episode 12. For now, hear some more on Jackie Martin and how you might reach her. Uh, so it, for uh, a matter of motivation, uh, if, if there's any, you know, ideas or, or places you think learning about the change cycle, et cetera, would be beneficial, it's I'm at www.amatterofmotivation.com, or you can contact me at Jackie at amatterofmotivation.com. Well, thank you so much, Jackie. I hope that our listeners will take advantage of either of those opportunities and connect with the great stuff that you're doing for the world. Thank you so much. Thank you, Rosa. I appreciate you. 
Thanks for listening to Powerful at Work Radio. If you subscribe now, you're going to hear weekly teachings to shift your perspective on how to thrive in the workplace and stories from experts and career professionals who are daring to do work differently. And we want to invite you to the conversation. Please subscribe to this podcast. And you can also visit us on Facebook and join the group Empower to Bloom Tribe, where you're going to find tons of resources to help you on your career journey and also interact with like-minded professionals. I'll see you there.